Good morning. We're in week number three of a four-part series called Frequently Asked Questions. And this morning, our question is this. Why do sometimes I feel like garbage? I feel like junk sometimes in my life. And I'm extra hard on myself, and I say horrible things to myself, not out loud, because then people would think I'm crazy the way I feel. And then, I, so I say those things silently to myself, and I'm hard on myself, and I treat myself like garbage. I talk to myself like garbage. That's not normal, is it? Maybe you do that too sometimes, huh? Because I think probably for most of us, we don't like ourselves sometimes. It's this lifelong struggle, it seems like, to feel okay or to feel normal. Uh, kind of a daily struggle. Everyone around us that we pass, we see something in their life that seems to be going right or seems to be really good or seems to be right on. And I look at that, and maybe you do the same thing, and you say, but that's not the way it is for me. And then maybe you feel even worse about yourself. And that hurts. And then we react to that with harsh words that we say to ourselves inside of our hearts. And that hurts us more. And unknown to us, it also hurts the people around us. You know, there are some very good reasons why we don't feel okay. It goes all the way back to the very beginning of the history of man. We're going to take a glance this morning at where that all began in the book of Genesis. Last week, we had you repeat one specific word about this. When God said it was what? Good. We're back to that story again. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves. That is so weird. I'm going to pause there for a moment because this is giving us just this little clue, a little snapshot of who God is, kind of this image, the picture of God that he wants us to see. We know, according to scripture, that we serve one God, one God. We don't serve a lot of different gods like other religions might. We serve one God. But yet, in this verse... God, one God, is referring to himself, one himself, as us. Weird, right? And he's also referring to himself, one himself, as ourselves. Just this tiny little picture of something that our minds cannot comprehend. This thing that God is, this image of God as one God with three very distinct personalities, separate and distinct, yet one. I know it's crazy. My mind cannot comprehend that. But God is giving us a clue that God is in relationship with himself. Who is God talking to here? Himself. Who is God talking to? It is God the Father having a conversation with God the Son, God the Son having a conversation with God the Father, God the Spirit. So we have God the Father, we have God the Son, we have God the Spirit. This is what we discover in Scripture. But here, all we know it is God having a conversation with Himself. Later in Scripture, we understand it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. God is in perfect relationship 
with himself. Interesting. He said, let us create human beings in our image. What is that image? This is a part of it. I can't say this is the complete, but this is a part of it. Part of God's image is that the fact that he is relational. And here he is in perfect relationship with himself, and that is how he created man. It goes on to say, they will, ru- they will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry around the ground. In other words, God is in relationship with himself and with in relationship with his creation. And that's how he's created you. To be in good relationship with God, to be in good relationship with yourself, and to be in good relationship with this creation. Verse 27, so God did. He created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them in his image. The relational image of God is also our image. And God has created us for relationship. And now God looks over everything and he says it is very good. That's what he said. It was perfect. Everyone was normal. Everyone was good. Everything felt normal. It felt good. Creation was at peace with itself. You, mankind, was at peace with themselves, with the creation around them. Adam and Eve were in perfect relationship with each other, and they were also in perfect relationship with God, their creator. This was normal. This was good. This was right. And it all functioned in balance. And there's a scientific word for that called homeostasis, meaning everything was in balance and worked to stay in balance. Why? Why was it in balance? Because we were right with God. And we were right with ourselves. And we were right with each other. And we were right with the creation. Just how God designed it. Perfect. And perfect relationships. Something went wrong. Da, da, da. We're going to take a peek at it. Genesis now chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent, in this case it's the evil one, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? Let me pause here. If an animal talks to you, and your name is neither Dr. nor Doolittle, then my suggestion is to run. Verse 2, she answers, Well, of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle, that tree. That's the one we're not allowed to eat. 
God said, you must not eat of it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. God gave them so much freedom. We have a tendency to think of God as a God of rules, do's and do nots. But in this scenario, in the perfect creation, the perfect world, God had one single rule. And everything else God said, you just go manage it. One rule, that's all. So the serpent continues the conversation. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. By the way, the evil one is the king of lies, the king of deception, of taking a tiny seed of truth and twisting it into a lie. Verse 5, the serpent says, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, Nobody had to teach Eve how to disobey. I I mean, no one had to give her a lesson, a quick study, a primer, cliff notes. No one had to help her at all. She was quite equipped. That's what happens. That's what happens for you. It's what happens for me. It's what happened for her. We were created in the image of of God. We were not created as God. Verse 6. That was it. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. She liked what she saw. And that its fruit looked delicious. That sounded pretty good. Her mouth was watering. And she said, I want that wisdom that it's going to give me. Maybe she was thinking, you know what? Maybe God didn't tell me the whole truth. Maybe he's hiding something good from me. Maybe he's holding something back and really maybe I can't trust him to tell me the truth and to lead me in the correct way. Maybe I need to take this on myself and make my own decision. So she took some of the fruit, the Bible says, and ate it. In this moment, something went wrong. Something went bad wrong. We decided to play God and to play His part and to decide in the moment, in the circumstance, maybe at another day and another time, this might have been wrong, Eve might think, but in this moment, because I want it and it looks good and it seems right, it's going to be okay. And we decide right and wrong based on the circumstance that we are in in the moment. And that's what Eve did for herself. And the Bible calls that sin. Then it says, the Bible says, she then she gave some to her husband who was with her. I don't know what he was doing when all this was going down. I have no clue. Maybe he was trying to 
finish up naming these animals, and he got sidetracked on the platypus, not understanding it's not an otter, it's not a duck, it's it's a daughter, or it's it's an otic. I don't know what to call it. And Eve says, silly, stupid, ding-dong, man, it's a platypus. Here, have some fruit. And he takes a bite. It says, and he ate it too. And in that moment for them, sin, the choice to do what I want as opposed to what God said is right, sin broke perfection. Sin broke normal in that moment. Nothing was ever normal. God's normal. Again. In verse 7 it says, At that moment their eyes were opened, and they suddenly, I mean all at once, in a flash, in that moment, they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And now we did not feel normal any longer. Adam and Eve knew what normal was. They knew what perfection felt like because they lived it. They knew what God's normal was. Perfect. But now they did not feel that any longer. They felt something new, something gross, something bad, something that made them feel like garbage. They felt shame. And for the rest of the, the history of mankind to this point today, we have never felt God's normal again. We don't even know what it feels like because we've never had it. This is all we know. Shame. Homostasius spiritually speaking, that ability to stay in balance, that ability to stay normal, was broken. You know, for your body, physically, homostasis is what keeps you living. It's what keeps you healthy. In other words, when you get a virus, your body turns up the heat inside of your body to cook that virus, to get rid, to kill that virus, so you get a fever. And your, your nose starts running, trying to, to flush that virus out. And if you have upper GI, it's gonna, you're going to you, get rid of the virus to get it out of your body. We're not even going to talk about the lower GI. <laughs> but your body is fighting to get back to normal. And in this moment, spiritually, they were going to have to fight to get back to normal. The homostasis, the balance was broken and they were going to have to fight to get back. So they responded. They responded to it. They knew something was wrong. They felt this horrible feeling they had never had and they didn't like it. They didn't want it. How can we get rid of this? The Bible says, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. They went to work to cover up their shame. 
what happens when in this moment, when they realized that they were out of control, that they felt something they had never had before and they didn't want it and they wanted rid of it, they, they began to take the control, the, the reins of their life. They took the reins of their life and they began to try to steer and control and to make life normal again. But they couldn't do it. It's critical to understand this. We try to fix our own mistakes. We try to make them better. We immediately, when we realize it, go to work to try to repair, to try to cover up or divert. Immediately they put their hands and their minds to work so that no one would see the real them. And we do the very same thing. Verse 8. When the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Now, I think it's quite obvious here. This is the first real camouflage. Real tree, mossy oak. I mean, I hate to promote brands, but I'm just saying this is the first real tree in mossy oak. And when we mess up in our lives, we work very hard to conceal it. Uh, Auto-conceal. Self-concealing. Camouflage. We want to cover it up. So that no one can see the real us. So that no one can see how we have messed up or how we have blown it. Or how we actually feel deep down inside about ourselves. We hide it under layers and layers of image. And layers and layers of ego. And layers of misdirection and self-protection. Because we don't feel normal. And no one, no one feels normal. Not even your spouse. Not your parents. Not your children. We don't feel normal. Not your boss. Not your neighbors. Verse 9. Then the Lord God called to the man. Where are you? It's not because God didn't know. God's just giving him the opportunity to step forward. Giving him the opportunity to claim responsibility. God is pursuing Adam and Eve into their hiding place. And God is pursuing you and me into our hiding place places as well. Adam replied, verse 10, I heard heard you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So he's starting with some honesty. He's starting by honestly saying, God, I I tried to hide. I, I, I was ashamed. God, I can't control the impact of what has just happened. I can't manage this problem of what has just happened. I feel overwhelmed. I'm not feeling, God, I'm not feeling the way you created me to feel. I don't think I can do this. I, I tried to cover up. I don't think I can do this. 
Verse 11, God says, who, who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Again, knowing what has happened, God knew what had happened, but giving Adam the opportunity to step forward, he said, have you eaten from the tree, the fruit of this tree that I, I commanded you not to eat? Adam had taken a step forward by admitting his shame, but now shame causes us to do something else. Shame causes us to try to control our lives and try to steer them and take things into our own hands and try to make them better, and we fail. And then shame tries to make us hide and conceal and to camouflage the way we're really feeling deep inside and we fail. And here, finally, at a last ditch effort, shame leads us to do this. Verse 12, the man replied, It was the woman you gave me. That is her fault, God. It's not my fault. It's her fault that I ate the fruit. It is not my fault. And shame always leads us to eventually blame somebody else. That's what happened. Under layers and layers of ego and image and self-protection, we don't want to admit that what is happening ultimately is really my responsibility. It must be her fault. The way that I am feeling is not my fault. It's her fault. It's what she said and what she did. It is her fault. And we don't like the way that we feel about ourselves. And so often we blame everybody around us. I feel this way about myself because of them. That's exactly what Adam did to Eve. And then Eve, here's what she says in verse 13. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And immediately she says, the serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. It's not my fault, God. It's his fault. It's not my fault. Shame leads us to blaming other people. And every time we blame someone else for the way we're feeling and the way we choose to live, we are trying to push the responsibility of the outcome of our lives and our feelings on somebody else. Because we don't feel normal as God has defined normal. Have you seen the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? They were looking for a ride out of that predicament in any way they could get out. But instead, they did what we do. They found the reins. They found blame and auto-conceal. The first step towards being normal. The first step to not feeling like garbage in our lives is for us to begin to take responsibility, admitting to God, I can't control the mess that I have made in life. I cannot 
do damage control to make it better. I need your help, God. I need your help to avoid blaming other people. I need your help to keep from hiding from you because it has me imprisoned in my thoughts. Because we start hiding behind layer after layer, saying nothing is wrong. No, everything's okay. I'm doing fine. And God pursues us into our hiding places the way he pursued them. And he loves us and he accepts us as his creation. He does not love the decisions we've made. But he loves us. And as a loving God, as we talked about last week, a loving father, he must confront the wrong. There is a price to be paid for the wrong. And here it is, Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing, and with pain you will give birth to children. Now listen to this next. That's pretty self-explanatory. Listen to this next phrase. This next phrase is a result of us choosing our way over God's way. It applied to Adam and Eve. It applies to you. It applies to me. Listen to this. He said, speaking to Eve. Now, I understand. He's speaking to Eve. This represents largely ladies. But it really applies to all humankind. Ladies, but see if you can identify with this. He says, your desire will be for your husband. Listen to this translation. And you will desire to control your husband. Ladies, you are strong. You are very strong by God's design. You are strong. And so often when things go wrong in life, your tendency is to reach out for control, to grab that steering wheel of your family, of you, of your home, of your life, and to begin to control, to force it, to control it to go a certain direction. It says, your desire will be to control your husband. Now listen, this is not a statement that is saying this is God's plan for family. This is not God's plan for family. Now God does talk about how the husband will be the head of the home. He talks about that later. That's not what it's saying here. We're talking about the result of things having gone wrong by our choices. And he says, you will have a tendency to reach out and to control, to try to control that family. But look at the next phrase. But he will rule over you. Now think about this. The more you try to control the outcome the more you try to control the decisions of your children, the more you try to control the direction of your home. And I'm not talking about just good, godly, trying to lead. I'm ta- we're talking about control, to grab the steering wheel of the home and try to force it 
in the direction you want it to go. It says, you, you will try to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And that's not a statement saying he will be the head of the home. He's saying something happens, and your very effort to control begins to rule over you. That very thing you're trying to control and you're trying to steer in your home begins to rule over you and control over you, which causes you to gain more control, which causes it to rule over you more. And it's a vicious cycle. Because on the inside, you know something doesn't feel right. On the inside, you may be saying, I don't like this, and I don't like me. And so we try to control it to make it better. And that very act begins to rule over you. Now think about that. We're getting to the guys in a moment, so don't think I'm beating you up. Please hang in here with me. Something else happens here. Something else happens here. As a result of us not feeling normal, as a result of us not, deep down inside, not liking ourselves, as a result of us feeling shame. Now, largely, this happens for ladies, but this could be anyone. Honestly, it could be anyone. But largely, this does happen. See if you can relate to this. You have a tendency so often to look to that man, teenagers, to look to that boy, to look to that man, to see what he thinks of you. And if he approves of the way you look, if he approves of your shape, if he approves of you, then you say, okay, then I'm okay. I feel if, if he thinks I'm okay, then I'm okay. If he does not think I'm okay, then I, I, I am not okay. Something is wrong. And you have subtly given him the power over you. He has the power because you've given it to him. If he approves, then you're okay. If he disapproves, you don't feel okay. What can I change to be accepted? What can I do to be loved? And there is no man on this planet that can correctly handle that power because that power that you have given a man is meant only to be in the hands of God because only God can handle that power correctly no matter how godly your man may be. He can't handle that power. But that's a result of us feeling shame and feeling like garbage on the inside. So now, we struggle to feel normal, to feel right, to feel okay. 
But God's not done yet. He switches gears to the man. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. And to the man, he said. Now again, largely this applies to all men. But really, it applies to all of us. But men can identify with this so well. And to the man he said, Since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground, we said this last week, is cursed because of you. And all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. God is saying it is going to be work for you to survive, for you to pay your bills, for you to make it happen. It is going to be difficult. Since you did not listen to me, God says, since you didn't listen to me and let me provide for you, you are now going to work hard. Long hours to scratch out a living. Verse 18 says, It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. Here's what I know this means for me and for many, many, many men. While the women largely have given the power of how they feel about themselves to another person, to a man, largely, men, so many of us only feel good about ourselves when our jobs and career and accomplishments are going well. We feel about ourselves the way we think you perceive our success, our accomplishments. What you think about how well we provide and how hard we work and how successful we are, how we scratch out our living, what you think about it is how we choose to feel about ourselves. That's how we seek to feel normal, to feel okay. If I'm providing well, I feel okay. If I'm struggling, I feel like a failure. That's why it's so important. When a, when a man is without a job, in those moments, it's devastating because he's given that power to everyone around him about how he feels. We struggle to feel normal through our achievements. Verse 19. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which... You were made. It's a lifelong struggle to compensate for the way we really feel on the inside. We compensate with that through our achievements. And then God says, For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. And deep down inside, no matter how much we perform, 
and no matter how much that other person, ladies, may be approving or not approving of you, deep down inside, we just feel like dust, like dirt. And we can never perform enough to feel anything but dusty. I can't make myself less dusty on the inside. Only God can make dusty normal. But we have given that power away and placed it in hands around us based upon the way we look and the way we behave and our performance. When only God can really handle that power. And in this moment, God knew, and He knew the day was coming, He knew He would have to get to work. To redeem, to save, to bring back normal, his normal, inside of his creation. So that his creation did not feel shame and did not feel like garbage any longer. He went to work in this moment. Verse 21, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. In order for God to make this moment better. In order for God to begin this whole process of making things right. It started right here in this moment. And something had to die. This animal had to die so that God could cover them. Adam and Eve did not bring this animal to God and say, Hey, God, use this. God Himself provided the sacrifice. Something had to die. Something had to lose its blood. So that God could begin to make this right. And in this moment, we get a small Polaroid picture of a giant plan that God began to orchestrate and to illustrate. We have it illustrated in his word, a plan that would one day march himself to the cross thousands of years later from this moment so that God's plan could be that I redeem my creation once again and I bring back normal as God defines normal so that my creation does not feel like garbage as only God could do God provided himself a sacrifice for you and for me he pursued us into our hiding places. 
Only Jesus can take dust, just mere dust, and make it robust. And that's what he did for you and for me when he died on the cross, making it possible for us to trust him. When we feel like garbage, and my friends, we are going to feel like garbage on this side of eternity. We have the choice. We can try to grab the reins and control our lives. We can try to hide behind layers of ego and false self-esteem. We can blame other people around us. Or we can take this whole mess and place the power of how we feel about ourselves into the hands of God. A God who provided Himself a sacrifice for you. Who does God see you, His creation? Worth every drop of blood that poured from his body. Who does God see you as his creation? Worth every bit of pain and misery that he experienced on the cross for you. You are His prized creation. This week, I'm simply asking you, when you begin to talk to yourself and tell yourself that you are garbage, will you pause and say, God, I cannot give this power to the people around me. No matter how godly or how spiritual they are, they cannot handle that power. It belongs to you. And will you take that and place it into the hands of God and say, God, what do you think? How do you feel? As he reminds you, you were worth his death. Will you do that this week? Let's pray. God, we ask you to forgive us for giving this amazing power to people around us. When ultimately, God, this power only belongs to you. And God, when I feel like trash and like garbage, may I pause this week something. God, help me to pause and to place that power in your hands and to ask this question, God, how do you love me? And who do you say that I am? 
And may the resounding answer be, you belong to me because I died for you. And may we surrender to that. God, we offer you these songs as worship. Help our hearts remember how amazing you are. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, you the sacrifice. That's the name we pray. Amen.